Welcome to the Stork Storytime Podcast at the North Liberty Community Library. Are you expecting or thinking of starting a family? If so, this podcast is for you. Just as it's never too late to develop a love of reading, it's never too early either. Hello, my name is Jennifer Jordabrek and I'm the Assistant Director at the North Liberty Community Library. Hi, I'm Emily O'Sheridan-Tabor and I am the Family Services Librarian at the North Liberty Library. And today we'd like to welcome our guest speaker, Carol Johnson, from the Iowa Newborn Screening Program, and she's the program's follow-up coordinator. Thanks for taking some time to talk with us today. Thank you, Jennifer and Emily. I appreciate you asking me to be here, and uh, thank you for all you're doing on behalf of your community. Uh, we want to make sure that the first time that parents hear about newborn screening isn't when their doctor calls to say something's wrong, but yet... They know about it ahead of time before they ever have that baby. Yeah, that's great. Well, welcome to our podcast. Uh, before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and your job? Sure. So, um, as Jennifer said, I'm the follow-up coordinator for the Iowa Newborn Screening Program. I happen to be based out of the Stead Family Department of Pediatrics and the University of Iowa Stead Family Children's Hospital. Um, I am personally, I am a wife, a mother, a grandmother of three granddaughters, and I'm also an avid reader. I read 62 books last year. Wow. So reading <laughs> in libraries are very important to me. Well, that's great. Um, we'll go ahead and get started. There's a lot to do before your baby arrives. Those nine months um, seem to go pretty quickly for most expecting families. Parents want to make sure their child gets off to as healthy a start as possible. And the information we're going to talk about today will help prepare our expecting parents to do just that. Newborn screening is just one of the many things done while you're in the hospital. And we're going to learn about this program. And as a result, we hope our expecting families will be more comfortable when the time arrives for their baby to get screened. Carol, can you please explain what the Iowa Newborn Screening Program is? Sure. So there are actually three parts to the program. There's the blood spot program that I coordinate. There is a critical congenital heart disease component, also called CCHD, or pulse oximetry. Different people call it different things. Um, and then there is a newborn hearing screening program as well that tests babies for hearing loss. Okay, great. And who administers this program then? Good question. For the, for the three programs, the Iowa Department of Public Health administers those programs. But for the blood spot program, uh, they have to seek out expertise of medical experts in all of the areas that we screen for. So they contract with um, the state hygienic lab at the University of Iowa to do the actual screening. And then they contract with the UI Children, Stead Family Children's Hospital uh, for the, all the follow-up activities. And so that's why I'm located out of, out of there. Okay, great. So why are we doing these newborn screenings? So for blood spot screening, uh, in particular, we want to uh, screen babies so that we can detect uh, a variety of disorders before they do any harm to the baby. Um, some of the disorders that we screen for, we know we only have hours to days to do an intervention, and uh, we want to be able to uh, take care of that baby, prevent permanent disability, or in some cases, some of these conditions are actually fatal. Wow. So we we don't want that to happen to the babies that we screen. Okay. Um, when are the babies screened? So 
all three of these screens happen during hospitalization in those first 24 to 48 hours. Um, again, timeliness is important so that we can intervene as quickly as possible. And so we're talking about they're getting screened in the hospital. What would happen if a baby is not born in the hospital? If they do a home birth or... Um, sure. Elsewhere. Sure. And that happens. And we have a new term for that. We're calling that a community birth now. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So um, babies can still get screened. And the midwives in Iowa know about newborn screening. They know how to collect the screen for the blood spot uh, part of the screen. Um and, and they usually collect it and do a great job doing that as well. Um, for, for the CCHD or the heart screening and the hearing screening, those take special machines. And so that gets to be pretty expensive for a midwife to have to have those machines and keep them in tip-top condition. So often what happens if a baby is has a community birth is the blood spot screening gets done, but then the mid, my, midwife might suggest that they go to the nearest hospital to have that uh, the heart and hearing screening done. So is the blood spot the one that they prick the heel with? Yes. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. In the hospital. In the hospital. I don't know how midwives do it, but that's the one thing that I remember from my girls. Yep, that is how it's done. So can you um, explain to our listeners then, especially if they haven't had a baby yet, exactly what, um, because we're not present during the time the nurses do that. I believe that they took them 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 and did it. And it was part of just their daily kind of check up on the baby so they would do some other um, uh, kind of reflex tests and then one day they would do the the heel prick as well. Right. So that's a so you guys have asked some great questions and so one of the things when we go out and talk to hospitals now um, Chris midwives would do this anyway but we're trying to encourage them to do the blood spot screening in front of the parents, oh. much like the hearing and heart screening will be done. So that, again, it's just another reminder that this was done because you're right, Emily and Jennifer, most of the time it happened when the baby went back to the nursery and then the baby comes back with this little Band-Aid on their mm-hmm. heel mm-hmm. and nobody knows what it's about. Yeah. Right? So the other thing, too, is it is Iowa law for whoever does the blood spot screening to educate you and the and heart and hearing screening to educate you about this before they do it. Now, we all know hospitals are really busy mm-hmm. and that nurse or whomever is doing that screen um, is you know ha- doesn't have a lot of time and sometimes education gets cut short or doesn't happen at all. So again, thank you for inviting me to talk about this. So hopefully and sure, on the other side of that, it. it's, it's like, parent. right, exactly what I was thinking. Like, sometimes that education might Mom's, not Mom sink is in. Too, exactly. Yeah. And again, that's why it should happen in the prenatal period. Right. Mom is so tired, or you might have a room full of company, mm-hmm. right, to visit mm-hmm. that new baby. Or, you know, if mom's had a C- C-section, she might have some pain meds on board. Mm-hmm. It is not yeah. the time to be educating people about anything, really. Yeah. We're trying to figure out the baby's name. Exactly, right? exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. There's a lot going on in there. There's a short, lot short time right. before you're right. sent home. I mean, you're really only there about 48 hours yeah. anymore, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. if that. And so, yes, yeah. it happens quickly. So, for the blood spot screening, Emily, you're right in that... Um, they do a heel prick on the side of the heel, and then they put blood on this special 
and I know you, the audience can't see this, but I'm showing it to Emily and to Jennifer, this card that has five little circles on it that are about the size of a dime, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we just need one spot or drop of blood in each of those circles, and that's all we need. So then... Um, I, I mean, I think that's amazing. Yeah. That we do all this testing off of these five little no circles. Kidding. Right. Yeah. Um, and then for uh, for heart disease, so for an adult, you you may have heard of the word pulse ox, like when they put that little clippy thing on your finger. Oh, sure. mm-hmm. So what that looks like for a newborn baby is that they put, for lack of a better term, I'm going to call it a wristband around one wrist of the baby and then around the opposite ankle. And then they they do this pulse oximetry, which measures the amount of oxygen in the blood. And if the oxygen level isn't where it should be, that could tell us that there might be something wrong with the baby's heart. Hmm. So that's and how, then that would fascinating mm-hmm. uh, require further testing. And then that from would there. require mm-hmm. f- further testing, correct? Yeah. And then for the hearing screening, there's kind of two different methods and. Each hospital has their own preference of what method they use. Um, But basically, it's all just to test how well the baby or the baby's nerves respond to sound. And so in one case, there might be little baby headphones that they use. Or in another case, it's just a really small little probe that they put right inside the ear. And again, it's just to test to make sure the nerves are working and that the baby can hear. Mm And it doesn't matter which heel they prick. Doesn't matter which heel they prick. <laughs> I no, think that's a good question. But yeah. is it the heel just because that is a a place that like is not going to hurt them as much? Exactly. And, yeah, they exactly. won't be using. And you don't. And it's away from the reason why it's on the side is then it's away from bone. Sure. And. Um, for whatever reason, that spot seems to be the best. I mean, their fingers aren't big enough yeah. to do like a finger stick. So yeah, that's that's where it that's is. That's where that's where it yeah. is. But no yep. special reason other than it's just for their comfort. It's for yeah. their comfort, right? And um, you said that the heel prick is done within the first forty-eight hours, mm-hmm. but the other two—is it all kind of within the first it forty-eight is. hours? It is. Or there's not one test that would happen right away after they were born, that kind of thing. It just is a little bit down the road. Right. So all the newborn screening is done right around that 24 to 48 hour. And um, the hearing screening and uh, heart screening is what we call point of care testing, maybe meaning that it's done right there in the room mm-hmm. with parents and baby. Um, and on the back of our brochure, there is a place where the nurse can actually record the results of that oh. screen. Um, so we encourage parents, if they weren't told, to ask the question. Oh, sure. Um, okay. That's really straightforward, too. I mean, it's very well laid out. Hopefully that's that's true. Thank yeah. you, Emily, yeah. for, for saying. I think so. Yeah. So for newborn or for premature babies, you still they still get tested, too? They still get tested. Sometimes so the timing is, is a little different depending how critical they are. What else they've got going on. And what else on. they've got mm-hmm. going. And, you know, micro preemies, the really small babies don't have a lot of blood to give. Yeah. Right? So that's taken into account as well. But yes, but we, yes, we want to test those babies in the NICU because who knows, maybe we'll find something that might help explain why they were born early. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So those little uh, five little blood spots, um, like you said, it doesn't seem like much, but what disorders are screened for then from that? So for the blood spot screening, we test for over 50 disorders. Wow. I know. It's, it is it's amazing, amazing it isn't is. it? Yeah. I know, I know. Um, most of those disorders are rare and they're things that people wouldn't really have heard of, but maybe some of the disorders that you have heard of would be cystic fibrosis, sickle cell disease, mm-hmm. maybe PKU. Mm-hmm. Um, some people have, some haven't. Um, if you look at the site of any kind of a, a bottle that has um, juice or uh, sweetener or anything, it'll say right on it, not for fetal ketoneurix, which means people who have PKU. So they happen to be on a very restricted diet, yeah. low protein, um, basically for the rest of their life. And then another disease that you may or may not have heard of is SCID, or Severe Combined Immunodeficiency, also known as the Bubble Boy disease. Okay. Now, you ladies probably aren't old enough, um, but there was a movie that was done about this. Isn't it that John, John Travolta? Travolta. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So well, and then there was another one with uh, I think Jake Gyllenhaal was in it in like the early '90s. It was like a redo oh, of that same that one. one. Yeah. Okay. I think a little bit more for a teen audience. It's a little bit campy, but uh, more than the John Travolta okay. one. I'll have to check that out. Well, Thank I re- you. I relate many things to the Jerry Seinfeld show. <laughs> <laughs> There was a there was a, a sh- episode with the Bubble Boy. On, oh, was there? Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah, he was playing. Surprised he went that deep. <laughs> well, I'll have to so, check that out too. Just keeping it light here because most of your screenings right. come back fine. Yes, exactly. You know, yeah. Exactly. Right. Right. <laughs> so, what happens to that um, card then once um, you know it leaves the hospital? Where does it go? Or? So, once the screening is completed. In our newborn screening lab, it is in Iowa code that we keep that blood spot card for a year in a minus 70 freezer. Part of the reason for that rationale is many things can come up in a baby during that first year, and their provider might want to use our newborn screening card or what's left mm-hmm. of, the, of the spots to do further testing. Sure. So it's good to test up to a year as long as you keep it in those conditions. For, for certain things. Sure, I mean, gotcha. we, we don't guarantee it right. necessarily. Right. And then after that year, we take the card out and we just keep it at room temperature for another four years. Wow. So we have them for a total of five. Now, the reason why we keep cards uh, is twofold. One is for quality improvement activities for our program. Um, let's say that we're testing for hypothyroidism and all of a sudden the testing results just seem a little funny, you know, and you're like, hmm, what's going on here? So they might go get some of these blood spots that are saved to run some experiments and do quality Mm -hmm. checks and, and figure out, try to help figure out what's going on. Or the other reason we use them is to bring on new disorders. Um, And as an example, when we brought on SCID screening in 2013, there was no FDA-approved kit, which meant that the lab had to do all the work of developing that methodology and that assay. And, of course, we don't want to use it until we're sure it works and works Mm -hmm. really, really well. Mm -hmm. So we actually went through 250,000 
of those dry blood spots to get our skid wow. test up and running. That's amazing. Yeah, so that's why we keep them. Yeah. Yeah. And what's yeah. the, that is truly amazing. What's the turnaround time for results for hearing back? So again, for the hearing and heart screening, you should know right then and there. Mm-hmm. And they should be telling you. And again, I would encourage parents to ask the question. Just as I would encourage parents to ask the question when they take their baby in for that first check, whether that's at oh, okay. one week or two week, uh, about the blood spot results. Um, now, it doesn't happen very often. Once or twice a year, there is a baby that totally gets missed somehow. Yeah. Right? Something falls through the cracks. And, and they, you mean in the state? In the whole state. Yeah. Um, and so we do a procedure that we call baby matching that matches the birth certificate to hearing res- or to hearing and blood spot results um, and refusals, which we'll talk about in a minute. And then if we can't match a baby, we we, we joke that we're detectives sometimes, <laughs> right? Um, like CSI. Like right, really, like though. CSI, yeah. 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 So that we, we try to figure out what went wrong. And one of the the other stop gaps or quality things that can happen is again we tell parents whenever we get to talk to parents please ask your doctor about your baby's newborn screening results and when we talk to providers we say to them please tell parents about these newborn screening results because definitely if there is something that might need additional testing it would be brought up but if everything seems to check okay you know it's still good yes. to mm-hmm. reference to know yeah. right yeah. so a story i can tell you is there was a provider in this community actually a couple of years ago who had the practice of always checking for that newborn screening result when she saw a new baby so she did that couldn't find the result called our program we couldn't find this baby either she called the birthing hospital, and it ended up that somehow this baby was missed in the process. But had she not done that as the provider? Mm-hmm. Never know when or if it would have exactly. been found out. And that was before we had this more elaborate procedure that we have now. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she really did a great job. That's awesome. Well, goes back to what we said earlier. There is so much going on right. you know, Absolutely. during that short time frame. So. Mm-hmm. So then uh, our blood spot screening does take it longer than the hearing and the heart disease screening. So what happens is that that sample is collected. We hope that then it goes out with our newborn screening courier that same day. And then the cur- there's all kinds of courier routes throughout Iowa. Sure. And the samples arrive at our newborn screening lab, which happens to be in Ankeny, Iowa, on the DMAC campus. Oh, cool. At about 9.30 at night. And we have data entry staff and technical staff there, and they start testing right away. Wow. So we have two kinds of, dis, uh, two kinds of classifications of what we screen for. One is called time critical, and that goes back to where I said earlier, where sometimes you only have hours to days to intervene before something bad might happen. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then you have time-sensitive disorders or that designation and those are for things everything else that they're all super important but we're not talking about the possibility of something really bad happening to that baby within a short period of time Mm -hmm. so for uh, the time critical disorders we are often reporting those out 24 hours 
after it arrives at the lab. Amazing. And for um, and I'll, just as a clue, the national recommendations are within five days. Wow. And we're doing it with sometimes 24, maybe 36 hours. But and then, for sure within for sure five within, days. Yes, for sure within that window. And then for those time sensitive, the, the national standard is within seven. And we're doing that within usually within about five days. So this um, so great news to share with with you, you two and our audience is that the Iowa newborn screening is the most timely or meaning fast program in the United States. That's awesome. Yeah, no kidding. Thank you. you. And the reason for that is, um, just quickly, is that we work 365 days a year because babies are important to us. And and they're born every day and they're tested every day, right? So... Um, and well, but, and working it, you know, it looks like do you, is your facility twenty four hours? If you're having people start at nine thirty at it, night, right? It you is. Have three shifts. We have t- two shifts that there. There are like maybe like, six hours that gotcha, are covered. Gotcha. But yeah, pretty much a twenty four hour operation, and then the follow up staff um, that I coordinate. Um, we work eight to five during the week. But then there is a geneticist on call that can handle questions that come in, and then we work every weekend and holiday. Wow. So, and it's all components of our program. Our courier works 365 days a year, the lab and follow-up. Well, if you're an expecting parent, that should give you some comfort. Um, yeah. You know, that you guys take this seriously. Mm-hmm. and Yes, we do. Yes. You know, how many lives you're helping to improve and save by, you know, the quick turnaround yeah. and just... That's awesome. Yeah, I agree. Kudos to my colleagues. Yes. Definitely. (laughs) So what if an expecting parent's out there um, and is listening and um, they either get a call or go in for that, you know, baby check and and one of their results comes back positive? What um, advice do you have for them or or what does that mean? Sure. So I'll quickly kind of go through what happens and, and clarify some things here. So our great lab staff does the testing and then if they find anything abnormal, they call the follow-up staff. Then the follow-up staff turn around and call that baby's provider. And then not only do we tell the provider what is abnormal, but we also give recommendations as to what to do next. And then that primary care provider calls the parents and informs the parents. And then they talk and make a plan about what to do next as well. Um, So if a screen is positive, there's there's many different things that could happen, and it really is dependent upon which thing or which disorder is abnormal. So actually, most of the time, we're just going to ask to get another newborn screen. Okay. And a lot of times, it it's normal and it corrects itself, and we can say everything's good. Sometimes we're going to ask for a confirmatory test or a diagnostic test. Mm-hmm. Most of the time... Um, that is either you know a blood draw, a urine sample. Um, in the case of cystic fibrosis, it might mean having a sweat test. I know that's another whole uh, another yeah, whole podcast no in and of itself. Um, once in a while, it might mean a referral to a specialist. So, like in the case of cystic fibrosis, it might mean referring that baby to a sweat test center or a CF cystic fibrosis center and seeing a pulmonologist. Um, once in a while, we, depending on the disorder, we really want a provider to 
put eyes on a baby, we say. Yeah. Meaning bring them into the clinic, check them out, look them over. Again, even more rare, we might say, you know, we think this baby needs to go to the emergency room um, because they might need IV fluids or some Mm -hmm. other kind of intervention Mm -hmm. sooner than later. When then... But usually, even if they have to go to the ER, they still get to go home. But rarely, very rarely, they might need hospitalization. Okay. And do you have, like, any statistics about how many um, babies you catch with this? Sure, yes. So I should also say, too, um, before I talk about that, that, you know what, most screens come back normal. And even if they don't, we, we tell people not to panic. Now, that's easy for us to say. I'm a mom and a grandmother. I know about this, and I would probably still panic. And what do we do? We all Google, right? And, and, and that can be dangerous. And that can be dangerous, Sometimes. too. But, but there's a difference between a screening test and a diagnostic test. So what we do is a screening test. So the differences are we're screening almost every single baby that's born, right? And we're really looking to see if they're at risk, higher risk for something than another baby, right? So this is what we call population screening, right? Whereas if it was a diagnostic test, um, let's say, Emily, you had cut your arm and it's kind of looking a little infected. They're not sure if what they want to do. Um, they might draw like a CBC or a complete blood count and look at your white count and see how bad the infection is Mm -hmm. before they decide to treat you or not, right? So that's one test for a very specific problem. Mm -hmm. So that's a diagnostic test opposed to screening or testing a bunch of people or a bunch of babies Mm -hmm. in this case Mm -hmm. um, and trying to figure out if they have something or not. So screening is like that first tier test, whereas diagnostic test is very much specific in about one certain thing. Okay. We do find about 70 babies a year that have one of these disorders in Iowa. And how does that fall within that national average? Is that, do you know? Just curious. Well, um, so we know that newborn screening positively affects about 12,000 babies a year in the United States. Wow. So 70 is part of that 12,000. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. right. Okay. Um, so that's a lot of stuff going on there behind the scenes and people involved. How much does this cost for those families? So if you have your baby in a hospital, you probably won't even ever see the newborn screening charge because it's just going to be part of that fee that you're charged to have your baby, right? And Mm -hmm. to have your baby taken care of. And when you get those numbers, um, kind of, you know, if you're doing your OB visits, they, about halfway through, they give you like, this is what it's going to cost. This is what your OB plus your delivery and they've talked to insurance and everything. So that's all wrapped into kind of that first number that you see. It is. It's all really nice wrapped up in there. Now, if you, and I think even if you ask for a detailed Accounting, I still don't think you'd see the newborn screening fee in there. Um, now, if you uh, chose to have a community birth, uh, the cost would be one hundred and twenty-two dollars. 
Okay. That's and that's Which for blood spotting, like really for yeah. again trying to get your baby off to the best start possible yeah, right. and being proactive yeah. with if there are any issues, being able to address them, mm-hmm. especially for three. If you're looking at three tests, right? Three right. like uh, with the equipment and you know all of the different lab work and couriers and things like those three tests wrapped into one hundred and twenty five dollars yes. is is really very minimal. Very minimal. Yeah, I th- I think so. But yeah, but some people still, right. you know, right. yeah, right. everyone's got a, different situations. Everybody has yeah. a different situation, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you were talking about Iowa law. Is this something that a family can refuse and opt out of, or? So Iowa is what we call an opt-out state. So you're right, Jennifer. Which basically means your baby's going to get screened unless you very specifically tell the hospital staff or your midwife or whomever that you don't want the screen done. So, um, and another thing to point out is in Iowa, you can refuse for any reason. Some states restrict it to only religious reasons, but in Iowa, you can opt out. You can say, you know, I didn't like the nurse's uniform, so I'm going to refuse the screen. I mean, as crazy as that sounds, that would still be legitimate for us. Um, We do have a form that we ask that gets filled out. So that um, we can, again, do that baby matching Mm -hmm. to make sure no babies get missed. So you match that birth certificate to the form instead of to the the dot. Instead of to the screen. Right. Exactly. So um, the other thing um, that, that that does is we also ask, they don't have to tell us, but we do try to ask, why did you refuse? Because that helps us kind of narrow in on where we might need to do some education, mm-hmm. like misunderstandings, misinformation. Sure. Um, for instance, um, we have some families who will say, well, my first four kids are perfectly healthy and normal, so we don't think we need to screen our fifth baby. Well, they don't understand that the risk is absolutely the same for each Each one. one. That just because you have four healthy children, which is great, it doesn't mean that the risk for this fifth baby is any less. In Mm -hmm. fact, it's the same as it was. That's a really good point. I mean, I guess I probably would have never thought of it that way. You think you have lower chances. You do. Absolutely. Yeah. You you do. And we also get, well, there's no family history of any of these disorders in our family, which is probably true. Um, But you never know, right? That's the thing. These disorders are so rare you never really know. Well, genetics are really interesting. Genetics <laughs> is, so is many, genetics. So many possibilities for there, so many different things. Yes, there are. So um, we we are pretty happy with the fact that over ninety nine percent of the babies in Iowa are screened. That's awesome. So our refusal. So we're not at a hundred because we do have some of those refusals, but we are above ninety nine percent. And do you know on the refusals that you do get are a lot of them for religious um, reasons, or is it because that people are uninformed about what the tests do or how they be- how the tests would benefit their babies? So that's an interesting question, Emily. We would have thought before we had this form that it was for religious reasons. We actually don't see that very often. That is really interesting. It's usually about um, what I just said, where they think, you know, Mm -hmm. their risk is low, Mm -hmm. so therefore they don't want to do it. Or it goes back to people have concerns about keeping that blood spot card. 
right? Oh, sure. So there are some people who are concerned about the government, whether it's state or whatever, secure. having their baby's DNA and how mm-hmm. secure it is. Um, and, and you have to understand and respect that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I want to say about that, though, too, is we have some procedures in place to hopefully minimize that concern as well. So you can go ahead and have your baby screened and then write a letter to the Department I of Health. I was just going to ask if you could then request for it to either yes. be destroyed or sent back to yes. you. Yes, yes, you can. So um, that's a great thing to talk about here at this podcast because um, people want options, and I understand yeah. that. Yeah. And and in my job, of course, I want every baby screened, right? Yeah. So it's like whatever it takes, whatever it to takes get this done, to we'll get, exactly, try to help you out. Exactly, yeah. if it alleviates yes. their concern, right? You know, and, exactly. And they feel comfortable. Yeah, right. Yeah, you got to meet right. people where they are for sure. You do, you yeah. do. And one thing, the blood spot is not ever used for it. And this is the other reason people refuse is that they think that we're doing research. Using those, spots. oh, like a stem cell kind of thing, or, or or whatever. I mean, if you think about some of the things you we've seen on TV, like the X Files, or, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. even CSI shows, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. where they're like, oh, they're gonna put my, you know, my baby when they're twenty one, they're gonna pull that card out and put them at this crime scene or whatever, sure. right? Yeah. Um, so. You know, you can make sure that you can ask to have the car destroyed. And, you know, we're only keeping them for five years anyway. So, but again, people don't know that. Right. 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 And if they already have kind of a a distrust, maybe the wrong word, but I can't think of a better one right now. If they already have a distrust of the system or the process, then they might not be believing that you're not only keeping them for five years or what you're doing with them. All you have to look at is what happened to the Tuskegee Airmen or the Henrietta Lacks story, Mm -hmm. right? Oh, yeah, no Mm -hmm. kidding. And that, again, you can understand why people might be distrustful. Right, right. Yeah, there's a precedent even. There is, Mm -hmm. there is. So we've been talking about it's Iowa laws. This doesn't just happen in the state of Iowa. Um, this is all over all the states. That's one thing I was, was going to ask. Do you know out of the 50 states uh, how many are opt-out states or, or how many are states that you do not do not have an option to opt out? So It's a m- mandatory. Right. So um, most states are opt-out. Mm-hmm. There are some that are opt-in, meaning you have to verbally tell mm-hmm. that provider yes so that you want it that i want mm-hmm. it done there are not very many states like that there is one state in the country and it is nebraska our neighboring state that you cannot refuse newborn screening for any reason do you know why um i don't know historically why that happened um, it just seems that it, it's it's kind of an odd state. Yeah. It's, or, it's yeah, why why Nebraska? Right, right. right? Um, I my guess, and I wished I knew the whole story. I think there was probably an untoward outcome, and the state passed this yeah. law so that that's what I was wondering. So too. that this yeah. didn't nothing bad Ever happen to a baby again. again. Yeah, if there's right? any Huskers yeah. listening, and you have the background story. You know, we can always do a future podcast. <laughs> call in. We'll do a call in podcast. <laughs> I'd like to try that. Yeah. Here's our chance. (laughs) Now, what that sometimes does is if you live in Nebraska and you want to be able to refuse, 
You would go to Iowa. You go to Iowa or or a neighboring state and have your baby and then refuse it, right? So is this done then in other countries too? So it's done in all U.S. states and territories. It is not necessarily done in all countries. So people who you know, might find themselves in another country for some reason, or like maybe they're a missionary or something, um, they should really check and and see um, if the country that they're living in does screen. Now, I will tell you that all babies born to U.S. military personnel, no matter if they're in a country where there's a screening program or not, get screened. Because they'd be on a, a base. So they, and the, and the military contracts with state newborn screening mm-hmm. programs to make sure that that that's, happens. Yeah, that's very good to know. I mean, yeah. they they fly blood spot cards across half of the world just yeah. so oh, that sure. they can get screened. Yes. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, we've been talking about a lot of stuff today. We are going to also have some websites up there, like the Iowa Department of Public Health and um, the U of I Children's.org website. So um, listeners can, you know, do some additional research if they want or kind of review or, or look at it again. So if you're listening to the podcast, you can always access those sites as well. And parents can always come into the library as well. Uh, we have many uh, in-house information about disorders or birthing or any kind of screenings that the babies uh, may get or need. But we also have a lot of online resources. And you can access those databases at our website at www.northlibertylibrary.org. You just click on the reference tab um, at the top. And the Iowa Newborn Screening Program was at our baby fair last year. And so we're uh, updating that with a new name. It'll be at the Expo this year, but we're very hopeful you guys can attend this we, year. We are, too. We are planning on being there. Great. Awesome. That's yes. great. So um, another chance to talk with them and Absolutely. find out more. We've got some questions from this podcast. In September, is that right? Is that Newborn Screening Month? Yes. Yes, that's National Newborn Screening Awareness Month. Yeah. Okay. So hopefully you'll see some things out there uh, that provide more information about newborn screening. Yeah, and if you have any questions um, about this specific podcast, you can always stop into the library, and we can give you more information um, about Carol and her work as well. And um, the pod, or the uh, expo is going to be August 26th, so that will be perfect timing with September following. It would. It would. So th- there we go. There That's we a go. perfect lead-in to the <laughs> whole national... Newborn Screening Awareness Month. Here at the library, we like to celebrate monthly. (laughs) So So true. That's so true. (laughs) So before we end today's podcast, Carol, would you mind sharing with our listeners what your favorite storytime memory or book is? Sure. So as I said, I'm an avid reader, and I loved reading to my kids and my grandkids. So um, my oldest daughter had a book she loved that was a counting book. Um, And then my second daughter loved a book called Here's Comes the Cat. And that's all it says throughout the book. It's pretty fun. And then um, with my grandkids, there is a book by John Butler. It's titled If You See a Kitten. And then, but it goes on to all kinds of different animals. So like, if you see a spider, you say eek. (laughs) It's, It's really, it's a really cute book. And all three of my granddaughters have loved that book. And that's awesome that you can kind of pass along what you read into your kids and then down to your grandkids as yes, well. Yes, it yeah, is. That's it super is. fun. 
And Carol is actually our first um, expert who's brought the books with her. So we, <laughs> before we started the podcast, we enjoyed taking a look at them. So we appreciate you bringing thank those in you're for welcome. us. You're it's welcome. You're welcome. Yes, very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having yeah. me. I appreciate it very much. Yeah. So today we've talked with Carol Johnson from the um, Stead Family Children's Hospital Newborn Screening. Uh, program. Uh, we've talked about what are the three newborn screenings that baby will get in the first 24 to 48 hours, how those are done, um, how the parents should be educated about them, and then what are the outcomes of these three uh, screenings. We also spoke about uh, overall national statistics and the national picture and how Iowa fits into that uh picture with the newborn screenings and then of course we uh finished up with talk about our baby fair which is going under a new name of the expo and we just want to thank carol very much for being here today again thank you for having me i really appreciate it thanks so much for coming in today yeah thank you for listening to our Stork Storytime podcast. We hope you enjoyed your time with us. And remember, just as it's never too late to learn early literacy skills and develop a love of reading, it's never too early either.